Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling a little more settled. I wanted to just take one second before we start to say thank you. You know, you guys have been hanging in there. There's like a gazillion podcasts out there. Something happened and podcasts became like mainstream overnight. And I've been doing mine for over three years. In fact, this is episode 181, if you can believe it. And uh, somehow you keep coming back to me. You want to spend a little bit of time with me. And I appreciate that, especially because I've been a little bit sporadic with all of the craziness that's been going on in my life. But I can tell you one thing. This podcast has been a lifeline for me. I don't know. When you go through a lot of change, it's really nice to have something that can keep you grounded. And knowing that you are on the receiving end of whatever's going to come out of mine and my guest's mouths each couple of weeks these days, um, it warms my heart. It makes me feel great. It makes me feel like we're connected. It makes me feel like we are in this crazy world together. And that is exactly why I started this podcast all those years ago, to help us all feel a little more connected. Today's guest, Christy Peoples, is a connector. She is truly an amazing person. She's a natural-born leader. She leads women. She leads runners. She is a leader in the black community, and she is all about moving her body. Um, I found Christy, stumbled upon Christy, when I was seeking models for a skirt sports photo shoot probably like four or five years ago. Um, and we reached out. I want, I'm always have been, it's just been very important to me to continue to have diversity in my brand, Skirt Sports. And so, you know, I was looking for women who represented different body colors, different skin colors. And my friends at Black Girls Run suggested this woman, Christy Peoples, and she showed up. And from the first moment she smiled in front of the camera it was literally magic. There are certain people who just glow. When the camera is upon them, they glow even more somehow. And it wasn't like she was putting on airs. She wasn't. She was just being herself. And that is truly when the magic happens. You're going to hear from her today how important it is to step into who you are and be your full size of your full self. It's, it's taken her many years to get to this point, and she herself recently went through a little bit of a dark phase. In fact, she kind of went dark. I reached out to her in June, and I was like, hey, I want to talk about the racial issues that are really at the forefront of our society right now, and, and I think you'd be an amazing guest to share your opinion, and she said, I want to, but I can't. I can't right now because it was hard for her to even function at that time. And I think it's important that when we're going through those times, we step back and respect those moments 
and we do things like Christy did, we say no to opportunities or things that we might otherwise say yes to because we know we need to preserve ourselves. We need to refuel ourselves and we need to come back to the land of the living with, uh, with a little better sense of purpose. Um, so today you're going to hear from Christy Peoples. Again, she's a leader in the running community, in the empowerment community. She's also a guide. She's also a coach. Um, she has recently put up a link to her first ever four session meditation course, which I am going to highly recommend. No, I'm not going to, I am actually right now highly recommending that you get on the show notes and check out the Eventbrite link. It's only 20 bucks for four classes. And I can guarantee after you listen to her voice today, you are going to want more of Christy Peoples. She's just, she's mesmerizing. She's amazing. She's deep. She's motivating. She's everything. So without further ado, let's bring um, the most recent resident badass. I forgot to tell you this. She also won an award last year called Resident Badass from Elevation Outdoors Magazine. So let's bring on probably the only resident badass that you actually know, Christy Peoples. Okay. We're here. All right, we're here. God, you're looking amazing. You're like a super shining bright light right now. Oh my that? goodness. Thank you. Um, how do you do that? Seriously. I I I don't, you know, I just I don't know. I just feel I feel good. I just feel good, you know, and there I just you know, after like you know, it being in this time of like not feeling good for a while, you know, there are like ups and downs and you don't know when you're going to like trip and fall into a sinkhole. You know, I just feel like, wow, I'm not in a sinkhole today. I'm good. <laughs> I love you know? that. I think that is going to be the title of this episode, Christy. <laughs> we have like put it off for a while because you were literally in a sinkhole. Yeah. Like, I tried to have a conversation with you in like June and you were like, uh, just can't do anything. Goodbye. Nope. Nope. I mean, and, and that, and some days that's still it. Like, you know, there, as we're all experiencing, there's so many, um, pressures and setbacks and challenges that, uh, are facing us. And, you know, not necessarily that we are facing, you know, because I think it's, a, you know, this is a great mandate to face our challenges, but just feeling like, you know, there's overwhelm from all of what, you know, had been happening. Like for me, I'll say, you know, on top of, quarantining because I live alone um, and I work independently, you know, I mean, I work as, you know, part of, you know, various teams, but I'm still like my individual unit bringing my work to the group um, and then not being able to go out to the mountains for a while, you know, because the quarantines that stay within just a few miles radius of your home. And, you know, as good stewards of the trails, 
you know, I of course was going to come, was complying. And so that just felt like my circle got smaller and smaller and smaller. And then on top of that, we had the murder of Ahmaud Aubrey. And that, that really hit me. Of course, there had been a spate of police violence and realizations about racial um, and ethnic and social cultural disparities, you know, that had been unseen by most folks for a long time. And so, you know, ripping the curtain back on all of that, on top of, you know, this young runner's um, murder just felt like, you know, this is all too much. And then Breonna Taylor being murdered in her sleep, I just felt like, you know, there's nowhere that's safe. And, and by extension, it's dangerous being in a black body, no matter where I am. And I don't even know how to feel about that, you know? So, uh, you know, when we were very briefly in communication a couple months back, I mean, that was, that was, uh, I was about to say that was the height of it, or maybe that was the depth of it, you know, that I was in. I just couldn't do another thing. And there were a number of people who were reaching out to, you know, check on me, so to speak, some out of, I feel, you know, they felt maybe obligation or like, oh, you know, she's the one Black person I know. Let me let me reach out to her to just tick that box, you know? And, and so there was, the, there was the feeling of frustration around that too for some, you know, for some of the people, for some of the people that I had like peripherally knew, not like, you know, you and I have like worked together for several years now and we know each other and you know that, you know, when, and whenever you call, I want to like be available to like talk or whatever. And I know that when I reach out to you, like, you know, we, we know each other, you know? And, and so, you know, I haven't been in communication, you know, with a lot of people that I'd heard from who just came around during that, you know, window of time, you know what I mean? And so, and so there were people who were very genuine in wanting to connect, you know? And so I did not feel, uh, you know, tokenized, like when you reached out to me, because I felt like that was a, you know, a sincere um, extension of concern and uh, a desire to be in conversation, you know, and to understand it wasn't just, oh, let me just tick this box and check in with the one black person I know. You know what I mean? Totally. So, and so, you know, honestly, yeah. as a white woman of privilege, you know, this whole sort of uh, conversation that that erupted and is ongoing, it mm-hmm. makes you a little bit paranoid because you For me at the time, I mean, I also have a platform to help people get their voices heard. And so Mm -hmm. I immediately was like, I want to get everybody's voices heard on this topic as I can, Mm -hmm. Mm because it's so important. So but I was still a little bit paranoid of being, you know, looked at in a way that I was, I don't know, trying to just look good or make a statement. And I and that's not my intention either. So it's 
I see it. I see it on all sides, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, uh, you know, another piece of this too, is that we, this is ongoing, you know? So it wasn't, it's not just like, as you said, it's ongoing and it's been going on, you know, for a lot of us, you know, for, since we've all, you know, all of our lives or most of our lives, you know? And so the, the conversations, um, that, uh, you know, the invitations to, um, get into conversation, like around that time, you know, a couple months back, the thing is because it's ongoing, it's always the right time to have the conversation and everybody's awkward. And this is something that, you know, we collectively have not been looking at. Um, and now there's a, a huge, like, you know, invitation if not like a, a mandate to really look at this stuff and, and unpack like what is going on like what have I not been seeing you know so what are those things what is going on what have you not been seeing what have I not been seeing so for me one of the things that I uh have not been uh, acknowledging, you know, cause I've seen it, Nicole, but, but I haven't, you know, really, you know, embraced it was that I had been, um, kind of marginalizing myself in some ways, you know, like limiting myself because from my own like internalized ideas about who I thought I was or what I could do and oh you know I I don't have uh I maybe I don't have the resources to do this or that or I don't have the platform for you know for you know reaching a lot of people or I don't you know um uh, let me let me just think here about how I want to say this it's like not showing up to your full size, you know, like knowing, not standing up to your full height and realizing, oh, I have let myself kind of slide under the radar um, in a manner of speaking because I, I haven't, you know, stated clearly where I am on certain things. I, I haven't you know, broach certain topics because I don't want to rock the boat. And I think as women, we understand a certain amount of, you know, self uh, silencing, you know, because we, we, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I totally, I am, this is resonating in a huge way mm -hmm. because, well, first I look at you and I think, this is a strong freaking woman, you know, <laughs> to quote our skirt sports teachers. Um, and like you are the founder and leader of an organization that helps women and just people of color gain strength and, and do activities that, you know, they otherwise didn't see themselves doing. Like you are an advocate for people to stand up for themselves and explore the world. And so I don't, mm -hmm. I never saw you as mm -hmm. not standing up to your full height or not sharing 
you know, what you feel you should have been sharing about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, um, I, I just want to give you one little personal story, but I, um, as the, cause the, the thing that comes to mind for me is, well, what's the risk of doing that? Why don't we do that? What are we afraid of? Cause usually fear is behind a lot of these, you know, exclusions that we make in our lives. And, um, I have, I recently decided to just go ahead and share my, sort of political leaning. And I had never done that as the founder of Skirt Sports. I mean, you could read between the lines that as a woman who cares deeply about women's rights, um, maybe maybe I do lean left. But um, once I <laughs> transitioned the company, I moved to Steamboat. I just did my first women's march publicly and I posted a big old post about it. And I said, here I am. Oh. Yep. We're back. Okay. I was like, yeah, you're okay. good. You're good. I know our, okay. for, for all of you listening, we do, we're just dealing with the COVID, you know, technology interruptions, but we're all good. And I did a big old post about how, you know, I've always been a registered Democrat. This is what I do. And mm-hmm. I, I believe firm. I don't believe in every single thing about either party by any means, but that's how I vote because I vote for women. And I believe that this party, um, is, is stronger in that arena. And it felt very liberating. Like I didn't have to hide this part Mm -hmm. of myself that so many of my friends and thought leaders and other strong women just kind of clearly wore on their sleeves. So it's a small example, but, um, you know, I get where you're coming from. And for me, that question of what's the risk of putting yourself mm-hmm. out there? Well, as a business owner, the risk was that I wanted my company to be a safe place for women and I was personally tied to it. So I felt that if I shared my personal opinions on this very controversial matter, I might alienate women who didn't feel safe at my company anymore. So I think Mm -hmm. there's validity there, but it, damn, it felt relieving when I could just be Mm -hmm. like, all right, this is who I am. (laughs) This is what I do. So anyway, long, long story, but, um, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. And so the question for me to you right now is what was the risk for you to stand up to your full height? Like, what did you feel that you weren't properly sharing or conveying or how could you not be yourself and and why were you afraid to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, so I think part of that is part of the risk. And and first I want to acknowledge that, you know, I, I do realize that, you know, I am seen, you know, by some people as a leader and strong and, and forthright and all that kind of stuff. And I embrace that. And I feel like that is part of who I am. Yes, I embrace that. Right. And I also know that there are other things that I want to get to or become that take me outside of that zone of what I think I know about myself. Right. And so that means uh, going outside of the comfort zone is going into the unknown and going into the unknown. So, for example, let's say, 
you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, scale up in some way, or I want, there's a piece that I want to, you know, um, kind of explore that's uncharted territory for me, then I have to, you know, I have to deliver. And so what does that mean relative to what I've already been doing? And what if nobody, you know, cares about this new offering? Or what if I don't have what it takes, you know? And the other piece of that too is that, you know, so much of what we do is, is done by, you know, as, as, as makers, right? Like I think of you as a maker also, you know, in addition to a businesswoman, you're, you're, you know, acting on or executing lots of creative ideas and, and testing things out, you know, and what if people aren't interested in my next thing, or what if this is just a fluke? And so it's very complex, right? Because then there's the fear is also the, it also shows us the deep connection that we have to these desires or these things that we want to see realized or acted upon, you know? And so there's a great love. The flip side of fear is deep love and, and passion. And so not being able to like express that or move that out into the world, um, brings with it lots of, you know, anxiety and uncertainty and all that kind of thing. So that's part, that's like all part of the big journey of this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the whole, if we all lived alone in our Mm -hmm. tiny little silos, this -hmm. wouldn't be a big deal, but we live in a world surrounded by other people. And as humans, we care. And Mm -hmm. as much as you like to say, I don't care, I don't give a shit what people think. Mm -hmm. There are people you care about. And so Mm -hmm. if you have an idea, if you, you know, when you have an idea, let's just say that you Mm -hmm. hold it inside until you feel ready to share it. Because once Mm -hmm. it's out there, you are vulnerable and that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your baby. That's your baby. People might call that baby ugly, (laughs) you know? Right. (laughs) And, And then- and and also the the complexity of this time is really profound because even as you said we don't you know if we all lived alone in silos and you know yes we we do live in a big uh big it's you know intimately connected world right but we, and we also do live alone and in silos you know the the access to technology actually is, um, you know, separating us even farther or driving us behind our walls because we get to curate our experience. You know, well, everybody is going to look like me or believe like me or do the same things that I do. And, and I can, you know, again, I can tick boxes and I can do armchair activism and I never have to leave my home. And our, our experiences get kind of so hardened into these, these, these ways, these tight little ways of being until, you know, it's a miracle that we can even get a new idea in sometimes, you know, because we've like set up our world to be so comfortable for ourselves independently. And that's the way American culture is, you know, like 
you can, you know, be, be strong and bold and do it yourself and do it alone and bootstraps and all that sort of thing until we like, we, it sets these blinders on us to the point where we think, oh, we don't need other people and we should be, you know, achieving because we are exceptional Americans and all that kind of stuff and can do it attitude. And so, and then social media kind of lulls us into this idea of thinking that, oh, everybody's doing these amazing things or, you know, and then, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then that turns into, wait, I should be doing more because look at this person over there. You know what I mean? It's, a, oh it's really. <laughs> yeah. The comparison game. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to go back. Like we're talking about this idea of both isolation and expansion, right? And mm-hmm. like, at the beginning here, you had, we talked about sinkholes, right? And you, yeah. you were sort of sinking into a hole. And mm-hmm. I want to explore a little more this idea of living solo or in a mm-hmm. silo, <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. mean, they're two separate right. things, I guess, but um, I don't live solo. I have a right. small family unit, a husband and a child. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the ripples expand from there to a very large community of people who I surround myself with, who I absolutely adore, but I don't see every day. And those are the people that I'm connected through technology with. Yeah. But I have an experience in my life where I have human physical human contact with two people on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I haven't talked to anyone on my show about what it feels like to be a solo you know, agent Mm -hmm. here in the days Mm -hmm. of a pandemic. And especially since you've now experienced the very first and hopefully most extreme quarantine that we'll go through, like how at the time, roughly around the same time that terrible, you know, events were happening in our country that caused you emotional duress. So like how, tell me more about your experience of sort of slipping down your slippery slope and how the heck you got yourself back out of it. Well, I will say that, um, being outdoors running, um, in particular trail running to be very specific has always been a lifeline for me, you know? And so, Uh, I have been really fortunate to have that as a constant. And, you know, when I, when I had to, and when I couldn't get to the trails, you know, taking to the roads to run. And so running on the roads um, was really eerie for me because, you know, we had had all these, you know, all of these murders, um, you know, black men by police and all that stuff. And like coming, coming to coming into the awareness in a way that, that it hadn't before, because this is not anything new. Right. And so then when Ahmaud Aubrey's murder happened, like, I mean, that, that was really hard for me. Like, it's always hard for me when that happens and like having to reckon with, you know, the fact that, you know, they're there that that this is happening, you know, in the country at this time and it's it's cyclical and all that stuff. But to really the Ahmaud Aubrey murder 
really hit me because I was running on the roads. I was a black woman um, in, you know, I live in a, a white neighborhood. And, uh, and so just thinking about, you know, wow, any, any number of people on this block could take it into their mind that I don't belong and they want to, you know, uh, eliminate me. And so, you know, it's not, it wasn't an option for me to stay home either. Cause then I had the, the, the awareness that, you know, Hey, it's just dangerous period, you know, cause I can lock my door and mind my business and, you know, people can, you know, somebody can take it into their mind that I don't belong here either, that I just don't belong anywhere. Right. And so what I had to do was, um, reach out to the support of not only my family and friends. So they're, oh my God, there was a lot of Zooming and still is a lot of Zooming with friends and family. I mean, we're Zooming right now. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's true. Know, that's, that's the thing. That's the reality of now. Right. And so I reached out to my, um, my trail running group too, because I'm, I'm a coach for uh, women's trail running. And so we were on Zoom and I said, you guys, and, and, and it is largely a white group. And uh, well, I will say it's not a white group. It, it's predominantly white. The group is for, you know, open to anyone interested in trail running, but it just so happens that it, its members are predominantly white at this time. And so I was saying, you know, hey, you guys, we we are friends. We run together. You know me. And this is really hard. I need you to understand what it means, you know, because uh, if any of us feels unsafe, then that means none of us are safe. And I want you to think about, you know, seeing me run down your street or being me running down the street and feeling unsafe because you know that you could be assaulted at any time. You could be shot at or killed, you know, deeply wounded at any time just because of the color of your skin. And I don't expect you to know how that feels, but take it into take take it into account that it's real for us that this that that these issues are deeply impactful and you know as a community um you know talk to your i want you to talk to your people <laughs> you know talk talk to people in your own circles about this kind of stuff you know and so um <clears throat> and can so I, we all yeah can i ask about that so the idea of being judged purely based on how you look. So in your case, the color of your skin and some people based on like if they have a Mohawk or they're covered in tattoos. I mean, there's all kinds mm -hmm. of different, you know, visual perceptions people have. Mm -hmm. But if you're a black person running down the street and you live and you're running down a street that is like you said, predominantly white it like what goes through my head is why 
Like, are the white people watching you run afraid that you might attack them? Like, this is so screwed up because Um, is it just that there's so much fear on both sides of the equation? What if you're blind? You can't see the color of your skin. You're not going to necessarily have that fear. It's just, it is absolutely mind blowing to me, this, the whole concept, but Mm -hmm. I, I get that it exists and I, I'm Mm -hmm. still at a loss of how to change it. I, have we made any strides on how to change this? Because one of the things you just said was how you kind of started getting out of the hole is that you reached out to your people. And your people Mm -hmm. included your friends and your family. And one of your biggest um, passion-based groups, which is your running group, which happened to be Mm -hmm. primarily white. So, Mm -hmm. but these are your people. You have people of all colors, of probably all ages, who do Mm -hmm. all kinds of different work. I mean, it's a diverse Mm -hmm. group. And when you said, like, I want you to think about this from my perspective, like, what happened then? did it help? I mean, what, what, how is the change actually happening? This is where I think we are now is people Mm -hmm. said, okay, we need to have the conversations, but now what's the change? Mm -hmm. Well, the part of it is that we are turning, you know, we're turning, uh, some of us are turning our attention toward these big gnarly questions, you know, and where we are questioning our uh, perceptions or our ideas that we have like held and internalized for so long. And this stuff is like centuries old, you know, and so it's not going to be solved overnight. And one thing that we can do is, you know, examine, hey, what comes up when you are uh, automatically uncomfortable at the appearance of someone who doesn't look like you, you know, or someone who doesn't think like you or someone who uh, challenges you, right? Like we have to really investigate what's up within ourselves. And then like, when we realize that we have an opportunity to change and learn, then I think we need to, it's in our best interest to change, to learn and change, right? And so as we try to change, and again, change is an ongoing process and it requires real effort because we have like been operating on autopilot for a long time. And so it's going to be consistent it's going to be challenging so that's why like you know when the response was oh now white people are they're tired of it they're they've just gone back into their ways of like not giving a damn anymore you know because you know so that's real right because these aren't questions that you're asking yourselves every day these aren't shoes that you walk in all the time and so you know, it, it, it requires like every day, just like, you know, training, this is endurance. This isn't a sprint. Endurance means that we have to keep coming back and keep training and retraining ourselves to go the distance. Right. And so you can talk to people 
through your platform and in your circles in ways that I can't. They can hear you in ways that they won't hear me. And the same for me in my circles, people will hear me differently. And so I think as we each do our own work to dismantle our ideas rather than saying, oh, who's going to change this? Or one day it should happen. We got to work from inside, you know, and then that impacts all of our relationships and that ripples out. And so that's the way I think that we can do that. We can start to create change collectively and in a way that is also sustainable. You know, it's not just, okay, you know, Black Lives Matter this week, or I'm going to put a sign in the yard, or I'm going to go out in March, or I'm going to, you know, talk to my, you know, racist uncle at Thanksgiving. I'm not going to let him tell that joke anymore. But also, okay, those are all great things. And how, how are we also examining what's, what's happening within ourselves? You know, when, when we put the, when we've come back home from the dinner, when we have, you know, put our protest signs up, like, you know, in our heart of hearts, like, where is it that we need to like do some interior work? This is really good stuff Um, because at the end of the day, it comes down to how in touch you are with yourself and your gut. And we all have that little feeling inside that tells us, A, when we're uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. B, when we don't feel good about ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, sometimes you're you're not going to say something in the moment. You're going to come home and feel it. And then you're Mm going to say, crap. Next time Mm -hmm. I need to say it in the moment Mm -hmm. and And only you can't kill yourself or beat yourself up Mm -hmm. for those things. It's just, it's a learning curve, but you just have to do better each time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, Nicole. And that's part of what I was saying about, you know, I realized, you know, I wasn't really standing up to my full height and because there's, there's challenge there and there's a price, you know, because when we do that, we are changed. We are not the same people that we were before we stood up, you know, in, in a way. Something shifts in us. And to do that, to, to make those steps, to take those steps really means that we're going to have to get uncomfortable and say things even as our voice is trembling and even as we don't have all the answers. We can say you know what? I don't feel right about this and I don't know why. Hey, can you help me puzzle through this? Or what do you feel about a certain thing? I want to know what your experience is here, you know? Well, and it's really interesting because what we're on to here is how to knit things back together, how to mm-hmm. re-engage with society. But I really, I want to do just a little more on this concept of what happens when you go dark and you go within yourself. And there's a difference between sort of living a solo life, you know, you live alone. Yeah. You have community around you. You have your people, but you live alone. There's a difference between kind of living a solo life and becoming isolated or purposely Mm -hmm. isolating yourself. Um, maybe can you talk a little bit about like where, what was really, what was in your head at that time? And we talked about how you got yourself out was truly just through like forcing yourself 
to communicate with people, right? Yeah. And, and I, I want to, I also want to pause here on solo life, you know, cause it's like people are saying, um, you know, I've heard a few people say, you know, why let's not call it social distance. Let's call it, you know, I don't know, safe distance or something else because like socially um, it, it suggests that, you know, we're all kind of like, satellites or far from each other but I I want to say that although I live alone my life is is definitely not uh solo in the sense that I am you know connecting with people and I lean on my relationships and my um, communities that I'm a part of, you know, and, the, and, and, um, and if I need to like challenge them by leaning on them, then I know that they can withstand that pressure or that, you know, um, request. Uh, at the same time, so it's both, right? So yes, I do live alone. I don't have, uh, it was, it was, it was hard after a while because first I was like, okay, now I can like do these projects that I've been thinking about. I can. Um, and one of those was starting an, an interview series with black women, uh, spiritual teachers or meditation teachers, because I'm also a student of meditation and I'm starting to teach meditation myself. And so I said, you know, Black women have always known how to survive in hard times, how to thrive and, and how to be resilient or at least appear resilient because we always had to keep going and support each other through and support other people, you know, through the midst of crises. And it's, it's certainly happening now, you know, many of the uh, frontline workers are people of color, women of color, Black women, you know, Black and brown women. And so I said, you know, I want to ask these Black women, hey, what, what can we do in these times? How can we use uh, our, our practice to help us endure? And um, so that was one of the first things I did because, I, you know, I, I have, I am fortunate enough to, to have income and resources. I didn't lose my job in the you know, in the quarantine and in the shutdowns and all of that. So I said, okay, what can I do? And so I took these ideas down off the shelf and like did this interview series and connected with, with people that I'd been wanting to connect with for a while. And then, I, you know, there was that lull where like people got kind of tired and like, like, oh gosh, it's been like a month now. It's been like several weeks. Now what? And I started to realize like, oh God, I... I don't want to get weird in here being alone. Now this is weird. <laughs> you know, it's I funny. <laughs> you, um, I mean, what you're describing is like exactly, I think everyone first felt both fear of like, oh mm -hmm. my God, this is weird. And then this sort of like surrender and yeah. we entered the quarantine honeymoon period which was like, right. oh my God, I'm going to do all my house projects and like, right. you know, all this self-improvement and I'm going to do all my home workouts and we're going to just yeah. like, blah, blah, blah. and then you're right. After a period right. of time, it was like, okay, 
enough of that. I'm going crazy now. Let's go back to normal. That's, this is the whole other piece of this. Well, that's mm -hmm. a back to normal concept. And how realistic is that? Not at all realistic. And so the, the, a piece of that too, is that, um, you know, this is all like, this is all from the lens of having the luxury of being bored. Right. Like, you know, it doesn't think about it. Right. Like this is luxury to be able to sit and have these conversations. Whereas, you know, for me, there was also the the outrage and infuriation about at seeing how much how starkly different the communities of color were impacted by the pandemic. So not only are wage earners largely black and brown, they have to go out there and in order to continue bringing food home, they have to put themselves in harm's way by doing the gig jobs, by uh, being, you know, caregivers to people um, and then coming back to care uh, for their families. And then, you know, domestic violence shot up in, in these, you know, in these communities too. I mean, just, you know, because of all these stressors added on and then people are pre, you know, a lot of people in these, uh, in our black and brown communities are already predisposed to certain, um, you know, to, to certain kinds of uh, illness and disease through a myriad of systemic problems right so the healthcare disparities the wage disparities where you can live i mean it just goes on and on so yeah on the one hand so that that made it doubly um problematic for me because here i am you know relatively privileged as a black woman to not have to be on the front lines to be to have the luxury of being bored after i've done my home projects and i'm like recovering chairs in here and scrapbooking and like gluing thing my glue gun you know all that stuff but and i'm also realizing hey there's you know people in my communities are we are suffering disproportionately. And then we have the, you know, um, the murders. And then as a, as a runner and as a running coach, you know, bringing that to my, you know, having that come into my running space, you know, it was just coming in from all sides. And so I won't say, I won't claim that I got myself out but it was through, it is through leaning on my relationships and knowing that I have support, knowing that I am not in fact alone because people, there are people who have, who live with others who are in family units and marriages and partnerships who are more alone and despairing than someone in my position who lives alone, you know, you know, I just got deja vu. I swear you said this in the very first interview we did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
you know, I want to pause and talk about this concept of resilience, because I think this whole part of the conversation does revolve around that, that word. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a really important word for you. It's a part of, I think, uh, you know, something that you are really starting to better understand. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've talked to, I've talked to people over time about various, um, circumstances that they or people they know live in. And people would often be like, well, she's a survivor. She's been through X, Y, and Z. Like a million things have happened, horrible things for in some cases beyond what you could ever imagine someone could live through. But she's a survivor. She's resilient. Like, I don't know. There's something about you don't want to give in because that's mm-hmm. another thing that that we've seen in studies that when somebody goes through something hard, they're more susceptible, not necessarily, you know, for instance, if there's a if if you have been assaulted or abused, the studies show that somehow and for some reason you now wear it on your sleeve in a sense. And so that people who prey upon people that they can abuse somehow have a better ability to zero in on you, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to be that person. We want to transcend that. We don't want to just be resilient for the, you know, fact of being resilient. We want to, mm-hmm. we want to, as you said at the beginning, stand up to our full height, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what is it about the word resilient? Like how does this word and this concept really move you right now? Well, I, I love that you said it's a word, you know, because it, you know, we, we, there's so many words that are kind of just void of meaning. And, you know, we have to really examine the words that we're using too, because they fall short of the experience, right? So sometimes it's this dogged determination If I want to eat, I have to get out of this house and go get and and go to work, you know? And so that's not necessarily a healthy kind of resilience, that's survival, you know? And so I think that's what a lot of uh, that has been incorrectly applied. Like even when I said black women have been resilient, I think I mean more like we have been doggedly uh, determined to survive. And, you know, and for some of us, we have been able to thrive. And so when I am the, the heart of what I mean by resilience is being able to uh emerge from trauma and pain and grief or, you know, fill in the blank with a real, um, with some healing, with greater perspective and um, greater uh, tools and resources for self-care, you know? So that's, that's something different than um, dogged determination, but we, but, but for people who know how to get out there and get it done and keep going, we also need 
it's imperative that we also have tools for for um, resourcing ourselves, you know, in ways that can keep us healthy and that are sustainable. Oh, I love this. And I think it's a perfect segue to talk more about the work that you've done as you found meditation as a healthy coping tool. And I will pause and just say, many people, myself included, will have said before and maybe still do that, oh, I can't meditate. I don't, I can't just sit there. My meditation is to go out and run. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Like, for me, it's difficult. I haven't yet figured out how to fully embrace a practice of meditation. Someday I will. Like, it is coming. I, it is going to mm-hmm. come. Maybe you're going to be my entree into this. <laughs> and so I have often said things like, oh, well, it's when I'm out moving my body that my mind can free up. And to me, that's meditation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some validity there, but that's not truly. I don't think the meditation or the the tool that you have discovered in your life. So maybe can you talk about both sides of it, both as a runner, an active woman, and then also the kind of meditation you now practice? Mm-hmm. So as a runner and an active woman, uh, now, as I mentioned, I love tra- trail running is by jail and I didn't realize how much of a lifeline it was for me until my mom passed away a couple of years ago. And I was just, you know, for anyone who has lost any, anyone or anything or been gutted by life, you know what it is to feel blown apart, completely disoriented and without a, a North Star, right? And so do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you you know, and people who know you don't know how to support you and you can't communicate to them. And when I say you, I mean me, actually, like I can't communicate to them what I needed. And so it it was just, you know, I'm just in a fog, in a funk, you know, and I don't know my ass from my elbow, but I do know that if I can just put on my shoes and get to that trailhead, then that'll be a, that'll be a win for the day. And so I get to the, so this one day in particular, I'm thinking about, um, you know, I get to the trailhead and I say, or I get to the park, I park the car and I'm like, okay, you can go home if you want, but let's see if you can open the door and, and just stand in the parking lot. I was able to do that. And I get to the trail and I, uh, I gave myself permission just to walk or to turn around, you know? And so ultimately I started running And being able to, for me, to move my body and in, uh, you know, in nature is extremely grounding and it offers me a certain kind of solace where I 
that I don't experience, you know, in other places. And for me, it can be uh, a meditate, a moving, sometimes I like to call it my moving meditation. So I would agree actually, Nicole, that, that running, or I feel similarly, that running can be a solace, a respite, a haven. Um, and and offer some some very real restoration and science is is starting to tell us that and underscore like what lots of in ancients and indigenous people knew already knew and people who are you know lived by way of the land and understand and so um, in my meditation my meditation teacher training um, you know of course. Formal, formal meditation is often, you know, what that's what people realize, look, uh, look to as, uh, you know, the, the person who's sitting like a pretzel and completely blissed out and serene and all that. Like <laughs> that is, um, that's a thing. And just like uh, running, right, it can, it can also be very hard, you know, to, to sit in meditation, in a formal seated meditation practice and be with yourself. Because as we've said before, you know, we haven't, you know, we've been on autopilot for a long time and we don't stop to think about, you know, experiences or the pain that we, that we have shoved down. And so meditation gives us an opportunity to really still ourselves get out of our minds and allow uh, that, that um, those unresolved issues and experiences to float up. And so sometimes in that process of meditation and being still, we get to see, oh boy, wow, I'm not really, I'm not so proud of myself here. Or I had a vision of myself that um, is not, that, that doesn't really square with the truth of what I'm seeing here in this meditation practice. So meditation um, allows us to, to, really, to really be still and to go into a space where we can um, kind of excavate or, or allow a lot of our unfinished business to surface and to move out you know, when we learn how to really be with it, you know? And so that's what, um, in, that, in that practice, that's what allows us to have more compassion for ourselves. And in the process of cultivating that compassion, it gives us compassion for people who are, people, people's experience that, experiences that are not like our own. You know, so if somebody who is a not a Democrat or somebody who is not uh, one of your greatest fans, um, you know, comes to, uh, you know, contradict you or, or you find yourself at opposites with with somebody like that who is not like you. A practice of meditation and awareness like allows us to say, oh, wow, this person also has struggles. This person is also suffering. This person also needs some kindness. And I don't have to accept 
the invitation to every fight that lands at my doorstep. You know, I can uh, see this person as a human being and not as an, an enemy, not as, you know, someone who doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. So it like brings us to this understanding that we are all, you know, interconnected and our fates are tied together and we are all incredibly imperfect and to the extent i'm able to like do my work get with myself and and check my baggage if i if i focus on that that's going to take care of a lot of other stuff and it will allow me also to face the the challenges that are happening in the culture right now i can face that with more um effectiveness because i'm not just having a knee-jerk response to uh, all of the um, dissension and, and upheaval that's, ha that's happening outside of me because I understand more and more what's going on inside of me, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh. And it just sounds so uncomfortable, but yeah. like if you can, maybe this comes all the way back to resilience too. Like if you can get through the discomfort, A, of being still, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Physically, there's discomfort. I mean, anytime I try to sit still, I'm like, oh my God, there's an itch. There's a twitch. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. hear a fly. Like I'm distracted. <laughs> I'm I hungry. Move. Yeah. Yeah. So there's discomfort there. And then the discomfort of, oh my God, that memory, that mm -hmm. thought, oh God, I don't want to deal with that. Like shove mm -hmm. it back in. Mm -hmm. But I think that if- if you can, that to me is what I'm hearing from you, that mm -hmm. A, you have to give yourself permission to take baby steps in this process. Mm -hmm. And then B, like you're not, it's not like that mythical runner's high, you know, meditation mm -hmm. high or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. Like you're just not necessarily going to have that from the first moment. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's the hard thing for a lot of people is when we don't get that beautiful reward mm -hmm. early on. Like this is why diet culture fails. You know, when, mm -hmm. when you don't see that result right away, you quit. So right. what advice do you have for people who are like, this sounds amazing. I want to have what Christy Peoples is having. I want to take what she's taken. I want a dose of meditation <laughs> thing. But like, I don't know how to start. And I don't think I can get through this like weird beginning discomfort stuff. Like what advice do you have for people who want to include this practice in their life? Me included. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, I mean, think about anything that you've done that's hard. You know, we can do hard things, right? And it doesn't mean that you, you get through a moment of difficulty and there's no more difficulty, just like, you know, running. It's, you know, we have, we have a moment of like the high or the bliss and all that. And we also have great, a great deal of challenge and pain. You know, you lift weights or work out or, you know, move in new ways. You know, your, your muscles are going to remind you that, Hey, we're, we're working here. We're growing here. And, you know, we have to, in order to like expand our capacity and, and strengthen, you know, in our training, we will have to literally move through and expect certain amounts of pain 
right? Because the muscle breaks down and builds up to be stronger. And so that means that, you know, when we go out for that next run, we're going to be running on tired legs or sore legs. It might hurt, you know? And so with a meditation practice, I think it's important to, to expect <clears throat> that it will be uh, painful and uncomfortable and to allow for that inevitability because uh, I think one of the things that has us hamstrung these days is the over-reliance on, uh, on, of ease. You know, we think that everything should be easy. You know, like, like you said, we want, we want to be comfortable. Well, change happens outside of that comfort zone. And, and, and we have to move into the unknown. And really meditation allows us, I think the biggest, one of the biggest gifts of starting a practice is, you know, in addition to like realizing like, oh, I can manage uncertainty better. I can, I don't have to be beholden to my emotions and to what's going on outside of me. Like, I don't have to be whipped around by, by the, the, tide, the tides of, you know, um, the politics or the, the unrest or whatever. I can, I can feel emotions around that for sure. I can have my opinions. I can be an activist. And I also, that, that's just uh, part of me. This, this is not um, the entirety of who I am. I can be upset, but I am not an upset person. You know, and so being able to distinguish like, you know, our, our boundaries, oh, there's so many benefits to it. But what my advice would be, um, you know, to, to start off uh, with an awareness of it's a practice, you know, it's not a perfect, you know, so you're never going to get it 100%. So that should take some pressure off. And um, like no, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, sometimes or scattered to stop and take a few deep belly breaths, you know, that's, that's a huge one um, because neurologically what that does is it takes us out of uh, overwhelm or flight, fight, you know, re retreat mode. Um, because when we're stressed out, overwhelmed, super anxious, you might notice that your breathing is really shallow. Uh, 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 oh God, I don't know what to do next. Where am I? What's happening here? You know, but you can't, okay, hold on. And just like really breathing in and just taking a few deep breaths, just right in that moment, just like for a minute, for 30 seconds and just like, Hand, you know, hand, hand on your heart or just, you know, maybe kind of softly hugging yourself. Neurologically, what that does is tells the brain, okay, we're not in a fight for our lives here. We, and then it, it brings the thinking brain back online. And that gives us access to more um, reasoned 
choices or choices, period. Because sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we feel like we don't feel like we have a choice. We can't feel, period. So baby steps, as with anything, baby steps. But breathing is the big one. And I would say do that as often as you need to every day (laughs) for just a few seconds. I just love this. Um, It's so interesting because as athletes, as doers, as Mm -hmm. hard workers and goal getters, Mm -hmm. we believe that we just need to push harder. Mm -hmm. And usually in like from an athletic mindset that often involves like pushing harder physically, breathing Mm -hmm. harder, you know, Mm -hmm. getting your heart rate up, making your muscles stronger Mm -hmm. for meditation it's a reframe here because dedicating to this and deciding to, you know, include this practice in your life. It's not about breathing hard, pushing hard, just a few more miles. It's, it's a whole different way to, I think, just sort of shift that perspective. And Mm -hmm. it's, I used to think, yoga was not a workout. Why would I want to sit around in a room and not get my heart rate up and just stretch a little? Now I think it's a very hard and challenging workout. And I often end up more sore after a a yoga session that doesn't look like I barely did anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's maybe it takes maturity. Maybe it's like the idea that slowing down is bad we mm-hmm. need to we need to turn that on its head because it's not necessarily slowing down physically it's it's about just changing the way you're looking at something mhm cuz we've been you know all uh it's been ingrained in us i'm sure like probably everybody who is listening to this works hard you know and so when we go to a space that says we don't have to, you don't have to do anything, but just breathe. That's hard because, (laughs) you know, and that, that takes some undoing, you know, you don't have to solve anything. You don't have to fix anything. Just sit here and breathe, you know, because I, so when we were kids, we had this pool in the backyard. It was one of those above ground pools, a circular pool. Right. And so we used to play this game. You walk around the pool, walk, keep walking around the pool. You build up this big current and then you stop and turn in the other direction. That current can knock you over when you're standing still. Right. And so I use that as a metaphor for uh, meditation. You know, when we finally sit down to be with ourselves and turn toward what is arising in our lives, it's easy to get knocked over. And it might be harder at first than it is as we continue to cultivate new patterns and new pathways in our brains, you know, but this is, this is like, you know, part of the invitation and the challenge and the practice and the reward all in one. It's messy and it's awesome. (laughs) So how can people practice meditation with you? You know what? I am starting a, I don't know when this is going to be broadcast, but I'm actually starting an intro to mindfulness meditation course in, uh, in a couple of weeks. And so it's going to be four sessions. Um, and, you know, I'm, and I'm going to 
that are about an, an hour a piece. And I'm also going to be doing them, you know, ongoingly, if that's a word, uh, down the road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ongoingly. You heard it here. Awesome. People. awesome. Yeah. Are you going to have so. it on your website, christypeoples.com? Yes, I'm going to put it on my website. I have not done that yet, but I will. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that is, yeah, people can reach me that way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, you know, I'm going to take us back to the beginning. So you mm-hmm. said, I said, how you doing today? You said, I'm good. I'm not in a sinkhole, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get into a sinkhole to know what a sinkhole is. And then mm-hmm. every day that you're not in it, to have that perspective is a gift. And mm-hmm. so I applaud you stepping back, saying no for a while, doing the deep work. And um, as you've come out of it, I have seen that you have chosen certain opportunities to focus on. You're doing some really cool work with, I think, ultra running right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that work or any other work you're doing that has sort of come out of this, let's call it the uprising? <laughs> hey, I like it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the thing about like the ideas and doing new things and stuff is part of which part of it. Well, let me back up. Somebody asked me the other day, like there's a guy who wants to start a consulting business. What do you suggest? What, what do you think about that? And I said, well, and because he was at, she was asking about asking about social media. Like, what do you think? And I said, you know, do what you want to do, do what you feel passionate about and what is going to be sustainable, you know, and, you know, show up to social media in a way that's going to be authentic to you and don't expect to be paid and take it from there, see what comes. And so for me, because I said, that's what I did. You know, a few years ago, I was like reading all of the statistics on like, when do you post? How do you post? What kind of things do you put? You got to link up to this person, to this and this in order to like get followers and get likes and all that bullshit. So I said, you know, I love being on the trails, storytelling and taking pictures. And so Instagram is great for that. So Ultra reached out to me because I happened to love ultra shoes for trails and um hey can we work together um because you wear our shoes all the time and so i was like oh there's synergy here like the more we started talking and they were doing campaign they just recently did a camp or in a campaign called find your stride and they're talking to people about hey when did you realize Like, when did you find your stride? When did you come into a real sense of yourself? You know, and so it's asking everyday people these questions and it's a beautiful campaign. And then the one, another thing that they're starting to do is talk about, you know, mental health and well-being. And I'm going to be interviewing somebody about that, you know, within the next few days, I'll post that on my things too. But I love what this company, um, 
is doing. Now, no, but no company is perfect, but the fact that, you know, they haven't asked me to be anybody but myself and have invited me to, to contribute in real meaningful ways. Um, just last night, I did a one hour conversation about trail running and about a lot of the things that we're talking about. That was with, in, in um, conjunction with REI and ULTRA as part of a series on their um, women powerhouses of ULTRA. And so they had, you know, uh, a few Kara Goucher and Alicia Montano and, you know, uh, a handful of other women who are also in the ultra family talking about their various experiences. And um, so that is a, that was huge and just made perfect sense for me. That's what, that's how, that's how I'm connected to ultra and, and, um, by extension, you know, I'm able to really just share, you know, all these different facets of myself too, because it's not just running, you know, and it's not just super elite athletes running out there. Cause I'm not, you know, the only podium you might see me on or behind is one where I'm giving a talk. You know, I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm not going to be, it's, it's, I, I'm, who knows, but, um, you know, everyday athletes, runners and women who are, uh, living, you know, is is important to see. So I'm glad to be a part of that. Yeah. I love this idea too, that, you know, we all have our own podium, you know, we all have our own category. 48 year old, you know, mom of eight year old, former pro triathlete with a back issue and a this and a that. That's my category. Can anyone else compete in it? Because I just won. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. You already you've already won. Well, yeah. that's that's the really cool thing. So, you know, we're winding down the, the show today. I mean, it's just been like one nugget after another. You're just so incredible and that we could keep going because <laughs> the journey doesn't end, you know, yeah. and what I think is so important, and maybe this is something you already understand, or maybe it's, maybe you're going to just hear it now, but I think it's so cool that you take the opportunities that will celebrate you and what you have to offer the world. And when I first met you, I was like, this woman has a spark. It's an energy. Mm -hmm. Energy is not something that you can necessarily define. You have mm -hmm. it, you spread mm -hmm. it and it's positive. And mm -hmm. I want to celebrate that. And yeah, it also helped us get some beautiful photos for our product line <laughs> over all these years, you know? Um, but but I think you said when, when I would call, you wanted to come because you knew that we authentically wanted to celebrate you. And that's what I love about this program that you're working with now with ultra, you know, and that you have come out of this sinkhole with this new mindset that I am going to do the things that jive with me that are synergistic with who I am now as I'm continuing to evolve. So I applaud you in 
every way possible. I am grateful for you. I'm so happy to call you friend. Um, I even wrote a note down like, God, I wonder how can I team up with Christy in the future? So, you know, you'll be getting more calls from me, um, outside of the podcast, but, uh, you know, I think this is a perfect time to end with a final nugget. So let's do it. Let's, if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way today, what would it be? Oh, um, yeah. Celebrate yourself because every day is a new opportunity. You don't have to be beholden to what happened yesterday or a minute ago, you know, or, or in that last relationship, we get an opportunity to do it differently and we can do hard things. We are not alone. We are not uh, easy to miss. So don't count yourself out. Allow yourself to really move into your into your right place. That's what I'd say. Yes, the right place. And for all of us, the right place, it's going to continue to evolve. So going all the way back to this, like having your finger on the pulse of your gut is going to be so important. Yes. Wow. I love you, Christy. Thank you so much for your time. (laughs) Let's do this every day. Let's do this every day. (laughs) Right. I want you just on my shoulder, Nicole. Just (laughs) yeah, steering me on. And yeah, thank you so much. And giving me stats. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Well, I you know what? I'm not in a sinkhole today, so I am good. Yes. Wonderful. This has been wonderful being with you. Thank you so much for all you do as well to create community and help us live well. Thanks, Christy. (laughs) All right. All right, my Christy peoples, where have you been all my life? Turns out you've been right here every day stepping up and stepping into your full self in your full size. I hope you all felt that sentiment today. I know I definitely did. I I don't know about you, but Christy was like born to be a meditation guide. <laughs> There's something about her energy, her voice that just sort of puts you in the mood. Like maybe some of you were running and experiencing you know, that, that moving meditation that we talked about uh, in the conversation today. Uh, the truth is, Christy Peoples is somebody that you need to continue to have in your life. She will continue to be in mine because she is doing things to help empower women, to help people make their own experiences in this life the best that they can possibly be. Um, As we also talked about, she is ready to offer a four-session meditation course. It actually starts on Monday, November 16th. It's four Monday sessions. It is only $20. I have a link in the show notes. You definitely need to check it out. It's called Mindfulness. 
a contemplative intro to awareness meditation. I will definitely be doing it. I think this could be my little foray into the meditation rabbit hole. Someday I'll have her back on the show, maybe another two years, and I'll be like, you changed my life. You know what? I think that there are people that come into our lives for the sole purpose of giving us a tiny little kick in the butt to make the next step forward. Christy, thank you so much for being that person to so many. All right, everybody. I think that's it for today. So what do you think? Is it time? Yep, it's time. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.